Our text this morning is found in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. And uh, while you're hunting that down, let me mention this briefly. Um, I, I, I know that you realize that there are several renovations that have been going on across the summer, and, and we're just about done with all that. But one of the things that I wanted to point out, uh, about three or four years ago, we, we closed our bookstore down. We used to have a bookstore we closed it down, and the reason that we closed it down is that people were using the bookstore to find books, and then they were ordering them off of Amazon. So we decided to get out of your way, and let it's probably easier and much cheaper to go through Amazon. So we, we shut the bookstore down. Well, we are resurrecting at least a portion of a bookstore uh, right out here in the gallery in... Uh, Oh, this is kind of corny, and I, but I don't know what else to call it. It's just a book nook. It's kind of a, an indention in there, and there's some bookshelves, and there's 22 titles in there, uh, all uh, 22 of them chosen by members of the staff here at Grace Evan. They are for sale, and I can say to you, any book out there that you find, uh, you can trust. Uh, relax over it, because it's going, to be a, it's going to be well done. It's approved by one of the staff members here. And if any of those titles appeal to you, um, uh, grab one. The price, there should be a sticker on the inside as to how much, what kind of check you should write. I think there's a receptacle in there. If not, just leave it on the bookshelves and we'll get it. We're not really not worried about the money. What we want you to have is quality Christian reading material. And now there's Bibles, of course, included. And then those 22 uh, titles that we plan to modify and change uh, regularly as we introduce new things for you to read. So, we have a bookstore, but just not quite like the one we used to have, but I I hope you'll find it uh, as useful and beneficial to you as well. Now, let me um, read you my text. Uh, Before I read you my text, let me me tell you a bit of the context of the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. In, In the New Testament, there are two letters of Paul to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. But he wrote three. He wrote three letters to Corinth, one of which is not included in the New Testament, um, but these two are. But most, both books are really written because the, the church at Corinth was so problematic. There were several things, several problems that were developing in the Corinthian church. Um, one of those problems was their abuse of this sacrament. And so he writes in, in, in chapter 11 to try and correct and restrain some of the things that were going on in the Corinthian church surrounding the celebration of this, this sacramental meal. So that's the context of what we're reading. I'm only going to read one verse. But just know that uh, what Paul is doing here is trying to um, stop certain abuses that were going on Uh, in the Corinthian church over this supper. Uh, The text reads like this. It's verse 26. Um, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it... um, It endures forever. Guys, there are dozens, uh, perhaps scores, of important truths that are are contained in this Bible um, that that we Christians believe. But um, so many of these wonderful truths that are found here, that are derived and and, um, 
part of the, the, the text here in this, in this book. As wonderful as they are, they don't have sacraments attached to them. Let me, let me give you an example. The doctrine of eternal security. We love the doctrine of eternal security around here. We love that. That's the, that's the idea that um, if you've ever been born from above, you will always be born from above. That is, um, uh, the, that good work that God has begun in you, he will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. Um, it, it's a doctrine that's been somewhat abused by the slang of uh, once saved, always saved. But be that as it may, it's still a doctrine that we love, that we are everlastingly, eternally safe. And if we were ever his, we will always be his. And yet, my point is simply, there's no sacrament attached to that wonderful piece of theological truth. Here's another one for you. The, uh, The second coming of Jesus Christ. I mean, we believe that around here. We don't know exactly. Oh, there's all kinds of conversations and theories about when and exactly how. You know, we, we, don't, even, we don't immerse ourselves in that because it's, we're not going to be able to figure it out. But we hold to it. We believe that Jesus is coming again. And as this world of ours continues to spiral out of control, many of us find that doctrine to be of great comfort to us that Jesus Christ, in the end, we win. And Jesus comes back and is the king of the new heavens and the new earth. We believe that. We believe it firmly. And yet, there's no sacrament associated with that doctrine. Uh, An important and uh, rich doctrine. Here's one more. Uh, The inspiration and inerrancy of this book called the Bible. That it contains no errors, no myths, no contradictions. We believe it to be the, um, the very mind of God is black words on a white page. And as much as this book is attacked, as many opponents as it has, all trying to undermine our, our confidence in this book, we believe it. We believe that this is God's word. And yet, all I'm saying is, there is no sacrament associated with this important truth known as the inspiration of the, of the scriptures. So, why is it that, that, that this one, that is, the substitutionary sin-bearing death of Jesus Christ, why is it that that doctrine was chosen as the truth singled out among all of these others to have a sacrament attached to it um, in the, in, with, the, with the purpose that it never be forgotten? That is, that this, that this death of Jesus never be forgotten. Why is that one singled out to have a, a sacrament attached, whereas these wonderful other truths that we believe and hold dear, they don't have any sacraments associated with them. Why is that? Well, I'm sure there's dozens of reasons. But let me mention three. Three reasons why the death of Christ has a sacrament joined to it. First of all, if we eliminated this truth, if we eliminate the truth of the substitutionary, sin-bearing death of Jesus, if we eliminate that, Christianity would cease to exist. Um, There is no true Christianity without the sin-bearing sufferings of Christ for his people. 
If you remove that, what you're left with is nothing but pure moralism, which, by the way, is the, is the religion of choice of our culture. Left to itself, this culture wants to save itself by being a good little boy and girl. Their, um, th- their religion is just, just be good and do the best you can and, and everything will be fine. That's moralism, ladies and gentlemen. It's pure moralism and is not Christianity. And what, what it's missing is the sin-bearing sufferings of Jesus Christ for his people. That's one reason. Here's a, here's a second reason, guys. Without it, that is, without this, this truth of the sin-bearing substitutionary death of Jesus Christ, you remove the basis on which God the Father forgives sin. There, there is no basis for, on which he will grant forgiveness if there is no payment for that sin. That payment made, of course, in the sin-bearing sufferings of Jesus Christ. If you remove this, folks, if you remove the, the sufferings of Christ for his people, then there is no comfort for sinners. There is no balm for an awakened conscience. There's no assurances. There's no confidence that our sin is ultimately forgiven. Here's the third reason. And, and in my mind, it's the most significant of the, of the three. If you remove the doctrine of Christ's death for his people, then God's justice goes unsatisfied. That is, sin wins because the holiness of God goes unrequited. There is nothing to address his righteous indignation against sin and his holy hatred and inflexible hatred of sin. There's nothing that addresses it. If you remove the, um, the death of Jesus Christ for his people. Now, guys, in light of just those three simple things, um, you can imagine just how much opposition and offense there is um, from those outside of the household of God to this doctrine of um, Jesus' sufferings for his people. It is the object of ridicule and scorn. Uh, I think Satan works overtime to try and overturn this thing that we're about to celebrate. For instance, it's called, that is, this idea that Jesus Christ was, died in the place of his people. It's called butcher shop religion. Um, we're, we, we as Christians who believe it are, we're likened unto vampires and cannibals because we drink blood and we eat flesh. It's, um, it's reviled by, by those outside of the household of faith. It's not only that, guys. Um, it is said by, by many that his death was really just a mistake anyway. He really didn't intend to die. He was just a good little Jewish boy who got himself kind of carried away with his own press clippings, and he ended up on a cross, a la Jesus Christ Superstar. You, he, 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 wasn't, he wasn't here to, to die as a payment for anything. No, 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 no. He was only here to show you what brotherly love looks like and the sacrifices that it's willing to make to, 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 to show love. Ladies and gentlemen, um, that, is, that is just one of the numerous things that are used to undercut the thing that we're about to celebrate. Also, there are those who would suggest that it didn't happen at all in the first place. It's all a big ruse. 
He didn't die. He only swooned. Have you not heard of the swoon theory? You've never heard of that? David C. Strauss, um, which is still held by, and, and every Easter, every Easter you hear the same thing that comes up over, regurgitated all over again about he didn't really die. He just swooned. Now, ladies and gentlemen, into the teeth of all of that, and then there's lots more. Into the teeth of all that, God assigns a sacrament. In in the face of all of the opposition of this culture and the cultures before us and the cultures after us, God establishes a means by which the death of his son is honored and never forgotten. God establishes a means by which he insists that the death of Jesus Christ be remembered over and over and over again. Guys, every one of you this morning who partakes in this sacrament will be helping me preach the gospel. I, I indeed, am the only one who talks. But, but you will unite in a portrayal, a proclamation about the death and sufferings of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. That's what you're about to do. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Guys, I I think we all know, at least I hope you all know, it's not by your sheer participation in this sacrament by which you are saved. You, you, You do know that, don't you? Just by participating, that doesn't save you. But here's what does. It is the event to which this sacrament points. The the reality that lies behind this symbol, the thing that Jesus did, and which the Father refuses to allow us to forget. And so he attaches a sacrament. It's that, ladies and gentlemen. It's that which sets us free to our bondage of sin. So, come join me. Come join me as we proclaim the Lord's death. Let's pray. Our Father, we are, um, we are an inconsistent people. We are a broken people. Um, the idea of there being good Christians, there are no good Christians We're just Christians. We're Christians who wrestle with our own sin and our own failings. And we have come to love this thing called grace that tells us that we have been, that we have received a gift, a gift of eternal life that Jesus Christ purchased for us. And so, Father, 
as we gather around this, this, this sacrament that reminds us of those crucial truths, would you, um, would you meet us right where we sit? Would you remind us of who we are and to whom we belong? Would you allow us to leave here with a greater freshness to our soul? Would you allow us to walk out of this building once again, not simply reminded that Jesus has died, but that Jesus is ours? Do that, Father, for Jesus' sake. In whose name we pray. Guys, I think you know the story, but before I tell you the story, let me just make sure I say this. If you're not a member here at Gracie Van, you know that you're still invited to this sacrament. We, we're not checking membership cards around here, guys. All we want to know is this. Are you trusting in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone? If you are, this is for you. But if you're not, if you're here and have not yet seen your need for this Savior who is being portrayed here, if you, haven't, if you haven't come there yet, we're so glad you're here. Keep coming. Keep asking. Keep wondering. Keep pursuing. But if you haven't gotten there yet, stay away. This is for the family. This is for those of us who know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. You. You who do. This, is, this table is set for you. But here's the story. That on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he's in the upper room, you may recall, and they're enjoying the Passover, his last few hours with the 12. He takes bread, and he breaks it. And then he turns and says to to his disciples, he says, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.